0: Welcome to The Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past that were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thanks for listening to The Baptist Pulpit. Our speaker for today is Dr. Cecil E. Thayer. Pastor Thayer grew up in North Canton, Ohio, graduated from Hoover High School in 1985. And then a couple years later, he was saved, 1988, and he was united with Massillon Baptist Temple. He surrendered to full-time Christian service in 1989. He attended Massillon Baptist College, and during that time, he surrendered to the mission field. He graduated uh, from Bible College and went on deputation, and he spent 10 years, 1996 2006, serving the Lord as a missionary to South Africa. When he was home on deputation in 2006, the folks there at Maslin asked him to consider becoming the pastor of Maslin Baptist Temple, and he accepted the call, became the pastor in September of 2006. He uh, also received a, a Doctor of Theology, uh, just a little bit later. He's uh, the pastor of Maslin Baptist Temple, now also president of Maslin Baptist College and administrator of the Christian school. Pray that you enjoy the message presented by Dr. Thayer today on the Baptist pulpit.
1: First Samuel chapter 31. What is it that would cause a person to desire death? To be driven to the place where death seems like the only solution to their problems. We've reviewed, we have, a, have at least five lessons that we've studied on this, very, this subject. Uh, we looked at some of the reasons why people would desire death. Emotional and physical pain from Jeremiah and Revelation we studied. Uh, sorrow of heart as Job experienced. To escape from what is thought to be a worse fate. Remember we studied the Philippian jailer. And then concerning the pressures of life and the pressures that Moses faced. And then the last time that we looked at this subject, we saw in Elijah's life that sometimes failed expectations would lead someone to desire death rather than to continue in life. And if we understand these causes, that's why we're studying them, we can seek for solutions. There is hope for the hurting. And all of us are prone to discouragement by these things, and we can learn to overcome them. Tonight, I would like for us to look at four attitudes of depressed people. If these attitudes are left unchecked, they can result in utter despair and could lead to suicide. It is a severe depression that can lead to suicide and we would like to understand what would cause this type of depression so that if we see it in someone or even evidence it see it ev- evidenced in our own lives, we would take care of it before it would get to uh, a dangerous uh, position or condition. And so in First Samuel chapter 31, if you found your place there, allow me to read the first six verses for you. In verse number one, now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul And the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, "'Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me.' But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead... He fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men that same day together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word. Now, Lord, as we look at this illustration tonight and some other thoughts from the scriptures, I pray that as we find these four attitudes that seem to be evidenced in all of the lives of those who would seek to take their own lives. I pray that you might teach us some things, that we might be aware of those around us who are in need of our help. And then, Father, to guard against these attitudes in our lives. And we'll thank you for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Four attitudes of depressed people, if left unchecked, can result in despair and could lead to suicide. What are these four attitudes? First of all, we find in this passage of Scripture the attitude of helplessness. Helplessness. Saul was wounded, and there was no help in sight in verse number 3. He was going to die, and uh, he was in a helpless condition. And as he looked around, he looked at the alternatives we see in verse number 4. Uh, He thought that it would be better for him if his armor bearer were to kill him rather than to be taken by the enemy and have them to take him as a captive and probably torture him and abuse him and eventually murder him. He said it would be better for me if my armor bearer, if the one who stands by my side, if my soldier were to kill me. And so he asked him to do so. He said, I want you to thrust me through with your sword. And the man said, no, I'll not do it. And so Saul, uh, looking around and in his helpless condition, seeing that there was no help, at least in his own human understanding, he took his own life. Notice it says that he fell on his own sword. He took a sword and fell Upon it. His own sword became the instrument of death. And he took his life. Now remember all of the instances that we've studied thus far, all of the people had the same mindset as that they wished that their lives would end. They were in utter despair. But this is the first illustration that we have studied where someone who actually had gone through with it. He was helpless. He Uh, felt as if there was no help for him and he took his life. Now remember all of our other illustrations that uh, they instead of taking their lives they were able to find a little bit of hope in their situations. We studied Job and Moses and the Philippian jailer and Elijah and these were all faced with similar helpless uh, circumstances as Saul did and yet they chose to find some hope in their situations. But here's Saul, and he was helpless. And because of the helplessness of his situation, he said, I have no other alternative. And so he took his own life. Do you know today we face, and people around us, face situations of helplessness. Uh, For example, someone who has suffered with physical infirmities of uh, the flesh, it might be a uh, incurable disease. It might be a terminal illness, and someone will suffer and and uh, go to the doctors and try to find help, and and yet uh, they find no help at the doctor, and they try another doctor and another uh, prescribed treatment, and yet it would seem that none of these ever cure this disease or this illness that they have. You remember in Mark chapter 5, there was a certain woman, the Bible says, which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Oh, as I read this passage of Scripture this afternoon, I wish that all situations would turn out like this lady's did. She had gone to all the medical doctors. She had gotten the best treatment that that, that was available in her time and yet to no avail. But she still had a little bit of hope because she'd heard of one called Jesus and how He had healed the sick. He had, he had raised the dead, those who were lame and could not walk. He'd raised them up and they can walk. And she said, I wonder if He could help me. I believe that He can. And she went and she sought Him out. And we know the story that her recovery was certain because of the Savior. But you know, it doesn't always turn out that way, does it? You have stood beside the bedside, many of you have stood beside the bedside of a loved one who has died with cancer, with some other incurable disease. And you've wondered, as I, Lord, you could have healed this person should it have been your will. I know that you are able and you are capable and God... Yet, somehow, in his sovereignty, he chose not to do it. I wish that all situations would end up like this dear lady, and she received the healing that she desired. But it doesn't. Sometimes people face physical infirmities, and they see this is a helpless uh, situation, that there's nothing else that they can do. Not only in a physical, for physical infirmities, but sometimes the financial stress that we find ourselves under. It causes people to say, it is helpless, my situation is helpless, there's no help for me. It could be family problems or emotional disorders. Whatever it is that would drive a person to the place where they feel that there is no help. And when we are driven to the place where we think there's no help for us, then we're in danger and we need to beware. And we need to be watching people around us. When someone seems helpless and there's no help, you need to step in and help them. You say, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. You know, you can go alongside that someone who is who is who is going through cancer treatments and you can say that that, that it'll be all right. God's going to have His way and everything's going to be all right. You say, but I don't know if it's going to be all right. I know it's going to be all right. You remember that man I told you about? I asked him, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. You know why? Everything's going to turn turn out all right. I read the end of a book. And you know, everything's going to turn out out all right. You say, preacher, if my loved one dies of cancer, uh, does that mean it turned out all right? Yes, it turned out all right. Because if they knew Christ, they're in heaven. And so you and I can come alongside that one and try to show them and to be a help to them. Listen, you may not be able to cure their incurable disease, but you can kneel down beside their bed and you can pray with them. You can show them that you're going to be there and be their help. No, you, you, you can't take away the pain, but you can pray to the God who is able to be gracious to them. You can be there and you can be a help to them. And so let's look around us for those who are in seemingly helpless situations. You see, it is when someone... Loses, or they feel helpless in a certain situation, it is then that sometimes we lose all hope for the future. And when we lose all hope for the future, like Saul did, then he was prone to do what he did. And that was to take his life. Now you know, what I think Saul should have done, I think he should have took that sword in his hand, and he should have said to his armor bearer, you stand at my back and I'm gonna stand at yours and we're going to swing these swords, and we're going to fight until the death. You see, that's what he ought to have done. And that's what his armor bearer should have said. He should have said, in a helpless situation, he should have said, King Saul, we can whip these guys, and if we can't, we're going to go down fighting. You see, and someone in your neighborhood, in your family, they they might be in a helpless situation, and you can come alongside, and you can say, I'll fight with you. Now, you may know that it's going to turn out bad. You may know that that, that person is never going to get well. But you can stand and you can give them a little bit of help in their time of need. It is when we become the, the second attitude of depressed people. It is when we become in a helpless situation. And then we lose all hope for the future. It is then that we're in trouble Because the second attitude is that of hopelessness. Hopelessness. This is very similar and usually accompanies helplessness, this idea of hopelessness. But it differs in some cases. For example, someone may feel helpless in a situation, but still cling to the thought that there can be hope for future deliverance. For example, Job. Do you remember what Job went through? And surely when he when he had lost all of his family, you would have thought, well, that's the end. And, and surely God will not allow anything else to happen in his life. But all of his children were killed in one day. He lost all of his wealth in one day. And you would think, well, that would have been enough. But then later God allowed Satan to even take Job's health. To take away the support of his wife, his wife came to him and said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And here's this man, he's in a helpless state, and yet he chose to see a little glimmer of hope. And he said to his wife, he said, Are we going to receive good at the hand of God? We're also going to receive evil. And Job did not curse God, and he saw a little bit, a glimmer, a glimmer of hope. But when someone loses all hope that there will ever be any help, it is then that we're going to be in trouble, as was the case with Saul. You see, there was no help in sight. And those around him chose for one reason or another not to help him. He became hopeless. He lost all hope for any deliverance. And then came to his decision to end his life. You see, he was hopeless. We find another case of someone who was hopeless in the case of Judas Iscariot. Do you remember the story of Judas? He was the one who betrayed the Savior. The Bible says about Judas that when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him and they led him away and delivered him unto Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Judas saw that there was no help for him. No one tried to help him. Those men that he went to, they, they did not reach out and offer any type of help. And so he became hopeless. He said, there is no hope for me. He had betrayed the Lord. It was He was helpless to change the past, and the future looked hopeless to him. The guilt that he had, the guilt that he felt, it led him to that fatal day when he took a rope and hung himself. Now, I wonder if Judas, maybe if he wouldn't have had someone around him who would have said, Hey, listen, if Peter would have been there, he could have said, "You know, I denied the Lord." He could have he could have said, "You know, you remember when uh, uh me, I've just got a big mouth and I always got myself in trouble, but the Lord was always there for me and he'd always forgiven me and he can do the same for you." You say could he have forgiven Judas? Yes, he could have forgiven Judas if Judas would have asked. But he probably in his helplessness In his hopelessness. You know when people are helpless and hopeless. They don't think right. They don't think right. And they would think that there is never any forgiveness uh, with God. Is there any sin that God is unable to forgive? And you might be here tonight. And there are some sins in your life. And you say I don't know if God is able to forgive me. If I could I'd come alongside you. And put my hand around your shoulder and introduce you to a Savior who can forgive any sin that you have ever committed, any evil thought that you've ever thought, any evil deed that you've ever done. He can forgive you tonight. You see, we don't have to be helpless or hopeless because we have a Savior who died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day. And He'll save your soul if you trust in Him. Now, those who are helpless and hopeless need someone like you and me to come alongside them with a message just like I just shared with you. They need someone. You see, there is hope. And had Saul looked, had uh, Judas looked, they would have found that there is hope and that there is help had they waited instead of being rash in their decisions. Psalm 42, verse 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. You see, there is the hope and there is the help. It is not in us, but it's in God. And God wants to help people. He wants to help the hopeless. He wants to give hope to the helpless. God wants to be for, for that one who's grieving and that one who, who, who's looking for help. He wants to be that help. You see, help and hope are on the way. Just hold on a little bit longer. remember some years ago, I, I used to have a tape of Lester Roloff. And I don't know what happened to it. If one of my boys threw it away, they're going to pay for that at the judgment seat of Christ. (laughs) Lester Roloff, he couldn't carry a tune very well, but I sure like some of his songs. And uh, he used to sing a song and it said, hold on a little longer. Hold on a little stronger. The testings of the Lord are pure gold. He'll take you through the fire. He'll burn off the dross and mire. Hold on a little longer. Hold on. And, you know, if we just hold on a little bit longer, we're going to see there's some hope out there in the future. Not only do we see that those who uh, are depressed have sometimes the attitude of helplessness and hopelessness, but the third attitude that we see in those who are deeply depressed is that of sorrow of heart. Sorrow of heart. Sorrow of heart settles in... When a person loses all encouragement, drive, or motivation. Another name for sorrow of heart is simply discouragement. You remember when we studied about Elijah, and uh, when Elijah had just won this great battle on Mount Carmel and defeated the prophets of Baal, that he ran away from Jezebel and he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And I want you to hear the sorrow of heart. I want you to hear the discouragement in these words that Elijah cried out to God. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. Can you see in that statement, that prayer of Elijah, a discouraged saint of God, a sorrowing heart? He did what he was supposed to do, but things didn't turn out the way that he thought they would. He thought that King Ahab was going to repent and get right with God, but it didn't happen. Instead, the king's wife, Jezebel, said, Ahab, I'm going to have your head for what you've done. And he ran. For his life. He was discouraged. He was discouraged. Remember people who are sorrowing. People who are helpless. Those who are hopeless. They do not think the same when discouragement sets in. And neither do you. When you get discouraged all you can think about are the negative things. You see, Elijah, just a day before, had defeated those prophets of Baal. He called down fire out of heaven, and God wrought a great victory that day. And so, in his discouragement, he forgot the great victory. And in our discouragement, sometimes, we forget. And we only, defe- and we only dwell on the defeat or that which is causing us discouragement. And so, sorrow of heart. We see, then, that those who... Uh, The attitude of those who would be depressed is helplessness, hopelessness, and sorrow of heart. And then finally, number four, another attitude of those who are depressed is weariness of life, weariness of life. Job finally reached the breaking point. He was tired of the helplessness, the hopelessness and the sorrow of heart. And he said in Job chapter 10, verse number 1, My soul is weary of life. Do you ever feel that way? You're just tired of life. It might be someone who has been ill, and they just say, I'm tired of being sick all the time might be someone who's been depressed or financially uh, in in financial straits and will say, I'm tired of always struggling with this. I'm weary of life. There's nothing worth living for. I'm tired of the struggles all the time. It doesn't matter what I do. Weariness of life. But wait... (laughs) There is hope. Again, I would read for you uh, Psalm forty two and verse number five. And it's also written in Psalm forty two, eleven, and Psalm forty three, verse five. The, the same words, nearly the exact words, are written three times in these two Psalms, and it are these words. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why are you discouraged? Why are you discouraged? Why are you cast down? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there is hope and help with God. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I don't know what situation you face today. I do know that God wants you just to hold on a little bit longer because help is on the way. God wants to see us through and make our struggles stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks for our spiritual growth. We may feel helpless, hopeless, Have sorrow of heart and be weary of life. But remember that God is still on the throne. That He is in control. And His will is being worked out in our lives. Have the scriptures that I've used tonight painted a picture of your life? Helpless, hopeless, sorrow of heart, weary of life. Will you be saved this evening? Jesus Christ is your hope. If you've never received him, would you do so tonight? As a believer, would you and I come to the realization that with God, there is help, there is hope, and everything will be all right? Our Father, our prayer is that something that has been said tonight from your word might touch our hearts Should there be someone under the sound of my voice that has never received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, that they would do so tonight. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to be helpless or hopeless and have so much sorrow of heart that we would weary even of life itself, but that we would know that there is help and hope in God. Would you encourage someone here this evening? Or it could be someone by way of radio, they need some encouragement from you. They're depressed right now. And, Lord, they need you to touch them. And, Father, for others in this room, it could be that there's someone in our lives that they need some help, they need some hope. And we need to be the vessels that will be used by our God to carry the message of help and hope to those hurting ones. Speak to us tonight and help us to do business with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.
0: Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. Second Timothy chapter four says I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.